what it's all about. I mean, what do you tell yourselves? What justification makes it okay? Howard's such an asshole, maybe he deserves it. We're good. So? What is it? I sided with Chuck too often. I took away your office, put you in doc review. All of the above. Howard's daddy helped him get to the top, but you both had to struggle. Howie has so much, and we have so little. Let's take him down a peg or two. What allows you to do this to me? Because this isn't just a prank. No. This goes beyond throwing bowling balls on my car. This took planning, coordination. I mean, how many weeks? Or, or was it months? It couldn't have been easy. So tell me, why? Welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast, a podcast about plans and executions. Today, we're going to be talking about the mid-season finale of Better Call Saul. And joining me today, guys, I'm sorry, there's no, there's no enthusiastic intro. It's it's a sad day. And joining me today, it's Jibs and Ibube. Let's 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 talk about this episode. I'm Hold sorry. On. I thought we we're talking about Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. Oh my god. <laughs> I want to talk about that. <laughs> don't, 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 don't humor him, please, because that's a whole thing. He, he keeps, keeps trying to bring all these things. I mean, I did watch the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling. I was like, it actually looks like it might be a good movie because I have that no idea what the movie is about. Yeah, it looks very, I'm very weird. I'm definitely watching that. I, was like, I, I thought it was a different movie before I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but no, that's my... Come on, we can't talk about those guys because it affects my boy, Ted Lasso. So we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't be talking about that on the podcast. Um, yeah, we're talking about Better Call Saul today, the mid-season finale, the harrowing, suspenseful, cliffhangery mid-season finale. Um, I think before we start, obviously, we should send our just our, our prayers to anyone tangentially or directly involved in this week's school shooting in Texas. Um, of course, this is a pivotal a pivotal moment in this episode that we're going to discuss revolves around a gunshot. So, yeah, please, um, content and and trigger warning for anyone listening. And yeah, usual admin, please like rate and review and tell your friends about the podcast, especially if they watch Better Call Saul. Okay, guys, there's one place to start. Only one place to start, I believe. Have you guys seen the original Top Gun? <laughs> I haven't. I'm not a 35 millennial white man. So no, I haven't. <laughs> I, oh, so I'm the one that's seen the original Top Gun on this podcast. Wait, so is neither of you going to watch the new one? No, 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 I'll definitely watch the new one. I'll probably watch the new one. But you're not going to watch the original. But I might have to yeah, check I'll probably out the, watch original the original. It's first. like, well, that movie's not for us, Bunkley. Let's um, talk about Top Gun, because I watched it. I, I watched it earlier this week. Already? Okay. No, 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 no. Not Maverick. Not Maverick. I watched the original. Uh-oh. Hmm. It's just not for me. <laughs> okay, I found it <laughs> See, so boring. I told you. I found it so boring. I was like, oh my God. Dang. And so... <laughs> I was talking to um friend of the podcast, Ayo, <laughs> random, because I, I tweeted, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Top Gun because you guys win. Biggest hater of the wire. And then and then Ayo was like, oh yeah, he's doing the same. And we're talking later and he was like, I think I tweeted, oh, I DM'd, I was like, this new, this old Top Gun um, hmm, ellipsis. And he was like, yeah, he couldn't finish it. Like he was 20 minutes to the end and he was just like, no, his literal was like, like no one is paying you Ayo to watch this. You can't stop. And I was like, that was me. That was me as well. I was like, so oh I watched it. If you know me, like I usually, un- unless I'm like really ill or really tired, I usually try to finish something in one sitting. I don't, I don't like watching things in, in two goes. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, yeah, I can't finish. I can't finish this movie tonight. I don't, it wasn't. I'm still excited for the for the for Maverick the sequel because like Tom fucking Cruise, man, come on! It looks a lot more actiony. I can't believe that first movie is called an action movie because I was like, where was the action in this movie? I I don't know. It is definitely the first movie that I've been like, Hold oh, on. I'm. Too Are you young. trying to say you didn't enjoy Tom Cruise? You know, bare chested volleyball. Is it too all American? Doing for the you? volleyball. What the homoerotic scenes? Hey, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. No, I don't think it's too American. Like I'm not. 
here's the thing. I, unless the politics is like extremely bad, like it's like NRA toting, anti-abortion, like I can usually consume the politics. Like if it's just America is the best place on earth, like, yeah, I can take it. And I, I know I, I can live my life without letting the, the politics of a movie like influence me. So like if it's all American, that's fine. As long as it's a fun movie, I just didn't find it as a fun movie. No, yeah, I was, I was sort of saying the same thing. Like, it's not for, it's kind of not for us, is it? It's not really the movie for us. Yeah, it's the first movie because obviously, Obi-Wan and I know, we know a few like kind of like podcasters or um, critics that we listen to or read. And I think it's the first movie that, usually my, my tastes align with those. It's the first movie I was like, oh wait, I'm too young. Yeah. I'm either too young and too black, or just too young to, for like for this for this this their, this their taste. Because I was like, oh yeah, this movie just I I don't get it. I just don't get why this is it. This yeah, is it. I mean, sort of the same. I have the same feeling when I watched Train Spotting by Danny Boyle. I think it came out in like ninety two. I something. think it was late. Yeah, around that time. Was it? Yeah, mid to late 90s. And there was a sequel that came out a couple of years ago, and my friend's mm-hmm. dad really enjoyed the sequel, and I was just like, mm-hmm. I mean, this movie was fine. But he was like, I mean, because he had to watch, he watched it then and it was mm-hmm. such a big deal when he watched it and now he's watching it now. So everything feels, you know, tied up. Just like, yeah, it must have been a completely different experience to when he was watching yeah. it than to when I watched it in two weeks apart compared to 20 mm-hmm. years yeah. apart. And so I think, yeah, I think because Top Gun was 1986, I guess if you grew up watching it, there's something or if like, well, just for me, I was like, I don't get this. <laughs> I, I mean. I like Tom Cruise, like I've said before, as, as an actor, as an action movie star, and I think like the as a new person. Be, I mean, speak. Uh, I don't care. About it. <laughs> Again, it's about to say like I can I know how to divide it. Like as a person, I have no like. I like that he gives me Hold consistent on, action saying, movies. Thank God you for compartmentalization. Exactly. Oprah's couch to tell your wife that you love her. Is that what you guys are saying? No, yeah, that's not really for me. And speaking of like, obviously, the Mission Impossible trailer came out last um, last week. And that trailer looks insane. I can't wait for that movie to come out. Like, trust me, guys. There's going to be a whole week of Mission Impossible stuff on this podcast when that movie comes out. Yeah, the trailer had almost like 2 million views in 6 hours or something like that. Yeah, so anyway, I have high hopes for for Maverick. It has lots of people I like. Miles Teller, Jay Ellis. It's Macquarie on that as well. He wrote it. He didn't direct it. So, I mean... So, again, Macquarie. Like, you get like... So, I'm like, okay, it will be fun. But that first one, I was just like, I don't get this. And they, we've all seen the jokes. Even if you haven't watched Top Gun, you've all seen the jokes about the homoeroticness of, of the movie. Nothing will prepare you for how homoerotic it actually is. Like, the movie is actually just... It's on a different level. Really? Oh, yeah. That much? Oh, yeah. It is. Like, the first 20 minutes, like, it's just like, I can write a B-plot of these guys just being in love with each other <laughs> based on the material that you've already given me. I don't have to give any extra thing. Like, they're just... The glances and... The, uh, yeah. I mean, that beach volleyball scene is incredible on its own it's just like and i think tony scott rest in peace the director was like yeah we're just like we're going for it we're going to pour baby oil on everybody and just make them glisten in the sun baby oil <laughs> but yeah i think i'm I'm going to watch i know obi is against it but i'm going to watch maverick in in 4dx because i feel like oh. <laughs> i feel like that's a movie that i want relax to, it's a movie that i want to experience and, and not care about the plot like i don't think there's a plot to care about i want to feel my chair moving and Carried as an experience. I watched Dune in 4DX. And how was that? I watched Dune in 4DX as well the first time. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Um, I felt a lot of <laughs> sprinkles of water and stuff. But yeah, yeah it was <laughs> it was nice. I didn't see the Batman in 4DX, though. But I didn't think I had to. But Dune in 4DX, definitely, I definitely felt that. Yeah, I don't think you need to. You, I, don't, I don't really see what I would have needed to see Batman in 4DX. Yeah. Um, but, okay. That was a bit of fun. Let's go into the dark, the dark parts of this episode, guys, shall we? It's not all dark, you know. Yeah, but it's light and it becomes very dark. And you're like, oh, fuck. I don't think there's any light. <laughs> I think it's just <laughs> darkness all the way, man. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Howard Hamlin. You two. You two are soulless. Jimmy, you can't help yourself. Chuck knew it. You were born that way, but you, one of the smartest and most promising human beings I've ever known, and this is the life you choose. All right, you're too tight to drive. I'm calling <laughs> oh, you. Oh, good, oh, phony compassion. Go. No, I'm very, very believable, but I'm far from done. Oh, no, 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 you are done, Howard. Sorry, but you need to stop this now, and you need to go home. You're perfect for each other. You have a piece missing. 
H H and M are all dead. Wow. It's not how you start they fucking are. I mean they really are. <laughs> I mean, hey. Jesus, it literally just came to my head now. I was like, ooh. Start with the facts, you know? Because Howard drew attention to that, right? He did. Yeah. The M in HHM. Let me let me, let me come in a bit, a bit better. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about season six, episode seven of Better Call Saul, the mid-season finale, titled Plan and Execution, written and directed by Thomas Snarls. Um, he's kind of like the... I, I kind of seem like the third in command of, on Saul. It's kind of like, obviously... Yeah. Peter Gold, Vince Gilligan, and then Thomas Schnell. So he kind of guessed. I think he the last episode he wrote and directed was the one where Lalo goes to Kim and Jimmy's apartment and then Kim gives him the dressing down. So one simple question I'll start with is, is Howard the most unlucky person in the Gilligan verse? No. I'll tell you who it is. That is a really good question. I'll tell you who it is. Who is it? Remember Ted from Breaking Bad? Mm, what happened to I don't, I don't, what, it would have been what happened to that him? guy actually was responsible for a lot of his issues <laughs> <laughs> but isn't he, he's still alive he didn't die did no he? he slept and died I think he like cracked his neck he was like in a coma or something I don't think he died I think he was like in I just I rem- a very he died. bad state why don't I remember this that's the guy that was Swartz was yeah Skylar like Skylar was having an affair with him she's like I fucked Ted yeah yeah he had like heated floors in his bathroom Actually, I'll tell you who's the most unlucky person. Him? Remember that kid mm. that Jesse shot? Yeah. That was the that contender. That's the contender. I mean, talk about wrong place, wrong time. Man. And I think that episode actually bears a resemblance to this kind of episode as well, because it's like, there's this big plan and the plan comes off like incredibly well. And you're like, oh, wow, this guy's actually going to get away with it. And then this unlucky thing happened. But I mean, like, Howard didn't do anything. Howard didn't do anything. Like, this is actually like, the same energy as that as that kid dying. This is exactly the same energy. Yeah. Everything goes off without a hitch, and they're just at the part where they're starting to feel the revelry of everything, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then disaster just strikes. So I don't know. It's kid it's was weird. His bike. How does being a lawyer? That's it. Obi, tell me about your your feelings watching this episode. This is real television right here, and this is oh, oh this is big big facts. Ev- just everything, man. So, like, what do you want? To, is it like sort of like the end of my thoughts on the um, overall episode? Give me, give me a quick run through of how you felt watching the episode. I think it's been a while. I mean, because everything. There's this thing that Alfred Hitchcock says. It's like I think it's oh called my Meanwhile. God, but- wait, what? Okay, <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, let the man Pretend- quote his Hitchcock. Okay, me- okay, yeah, quote Hitchcock. I think I'm it's sorry, called I'm like some um, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, back at the ranch or something. It's basically. <laughs> hopping between two um, storylines mm-hmm. and you know when one peaks you hop to the next and the other peaks and hop to the next and I just love how it's all sort of like okay we have the Jimmy storyline and it's all sort of leading up to this massive climax then we have this lot of storyline and we're trying we trying to figure out like okay this is happening okay this is happening this is hopping back and forth happening mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. then at the end of the episode boom it all comes back together so Everything is just masterful, man. And this show requires your full attention. Yeah. Only the peak shows, only the hashtag real television shows oh. <laughs> yeah. are the ones where, like, if, you, on your phone, if you're on your phone, if you're looking somewhere else, you might miss beats. Because mm, the devil's just, in the details. I yeah. I have no, exactly. And it's just, I have no words, man. Just experts. <laughs> in this case, the, the devil was literally in the details. <laughs> I mean, Speaking of that, do you know a detail that I missed until I think I went on Twitter and I saw it? It was just like how Lalu thought to go to Jim and Jimmy and Kimmy's Jimmy and Kimmy Jim Jimmy and Kim's the, co- um, the cockroach. Apartment, the cockroach. I didn't yeah. even clock that in the moment when I saw that. In my head, I was he like, called, Why are they showing us this cockroach? And then I realized because he called him a cockroach in season five. Yeah, and, yeah. I was like, and I was like, I don't even clock that. Um, Why well, didn't clock mm-hmm. um, until later on was. When he called first, when he called um, Hector. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got that, but yeah. Because that's the only time we've seen him ever lose his shit, like, ever. Yeah. He's sort of like, oh, like, obviously the phone was bugged. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay, that's why. He sort of changes yeah. plans and stuff, so. That's the thing I like about everyone involved in this show. They don't insult. Oh, uh, intelligence. They, you know, they don't insult our intelligences, right? They... They're like, okay, we're showing you this because we want you to get it. It's not like someone is saying, oh, Lalo called this and he knew the phone was bugged. Yeah. So he did that. It's just like, no, 
it's that's, everything is being shown for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hashtag real television. That, that's the best thing about like a well-written mystery, I think, you know, because it, sh- it should be something that when you look back, you should be able to think, yeah, I probably could have put that together myself. Everything was right in front of me, you know, and this show loves to do that in the way that they, um, you know, just like to show you the bits and pieces of how things come together. And I feel like right now it feels to me like somebody explained what happened, but no one actually did. I just know what mm-hmm. happened based on certain things. So when I'm watching it again, it's like, oh, of course. It reminds me of something Jim mm-hmm. Lindelof mm-hmm. said. You know, good TV shouldn't make me feel just, dumb. It should make... Just throwing out the quotes. Yeah, good TV shouldn't make I me feel it. dumb. Good TV should make me reach higher. Yeah. And that I just always feel that way about good shows. Like, you should... It's great when the writers just trust, okay, these people are paying attention. If they're not paying attention, it's on them. I guess they can watch it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, something Scorsese said was that... Um, oh, <laughs> Here we go. It's no, no. The Zack Snyder quote is coming soon, don't worry. Speaking of, like, putting together the plan and understanding the plan, I mean, we do get to finally see the full scope of Jimmy and Kim's plan this episode. Um, Howard puts it together. In a way that goes back to what you said, it would be like, it makes sense. And Howard can put it together because it's not too outlandish. But at the same time, it's too outlandish for any normal person to accept. Like, are you, you can't be, make me believe that that Jamie McGill drugs without ever coming close to you. Um, I have never, I don't think this show has ever made me feel more like a terrible person or an asshole than in the moments where I was like smiling or cheering for Jimmy and Kim while the plan was working. That scene where like Jimmy is doing like the, the fish mime and who can sink and everything and Kim Kim is like smiling. I'm happy for them. But then in that moment I was like, why are you happy for them? They are they are doing the wrong thing here. <laughs> and I think the show has never like put a mirror to my face so obviously before I was like, ugh, Brankoli, what are you doing? Why are you supporting these guys? And I had like I had this sense of dread throughout the episode. Right. Um because I always feel like there's a possibility that this thing might go so bad that Howard dies. Like maybe the drug is too much for Howard since Howard takes tea and doesn't drink coffee or whatever, or he goes a bit too much or he has a depressive state moment and he kills himself or whatever. So I always felt like things were going to go bad. And then when all that happens, it doesn't, nothing goes bad. I'm like, okay, maybe they've kind of got away with it. So I kind of let my guard down, which is why when Lalo comes in, I am not expecting it at all. I did not see it happening. I wasn't expecting Lalo. Like I thought he was going to like, the laundry. I thought maybe that because they had moved all the guards to Goss, like he was going to go to the laundry. I, I did not expect him anywhere near like the apartment. So yeah, that was like, and it's interesting because like, I think this is the fi- maybe the final, because in my notes I have it, I was called the final intersection of the two worlds. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that at the beginning, earlier in the season when Kim and Mike meet and it's like cartel, mm-hmm. lawyers, right? And now it's like Howard and Lalo. I think this is the last point. This is the point where the worlds are blend blended into one and it's like this world are one now it's no longer like you said it's no longer male one in the ranch it's the ranch it's just yeah it's is just yeah one story I, I, we can't i mean we can obviously speculate but there's no real point of doing that why why lalo is in the apartment why he decided to go to like to jimmy no idea no idea bob edicock's performance in that scene that he actually looks like he's seen a ghost the actual fear yeah. when he whispers <laughs> he's like how how oh, like, he's bro. like, what are you doing? And I, the way Thomas Snow is directed as Sinatra that is, is incredible. The Just candles, like the flicker of the, of the flame, man. Candles, are, yeah, these people are operating it's, at a different level. <laughs> it's levels, man. It's levels. because we see them react to that flame when Howard comes in, yeah. Exactly. And Kim does it to Kim. Kim. Imagine a flame flicker being like this kind of ominous sign. Whoever thought about that, like that, that's not like I'll never look what? at like a candle flame the same ever again. That was so uh, good. Such good use of environment. I mean, I think another thing that will, obviously that will play throughout the next, at least next few episodes is the fact that like Kim didn't tell Jimmy. Yeah. Because then you're like, if Kim told Jimmy, they probably wouldn't be in that apartment. Right? I they might have not gone ahead with the Howard plan. Very true. So it's just like... Because that would have taken precedence. I think her reaction was pretty... I mean, if you sort of watch it, her reaction was shocked, mm-hmm. but not as shocked as... Um, um, Jimmy, because I think yeah. Jimmy was like, yeah. this guy's dead. But she was shocked. She's, he was fear. Yeah. Oh, I, I was even going to say the opposite. Oh, yeah. Like, she was fear, and he was shocked. Actually, that's true. Yeah. 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 
because like, but she's the one that is like, she's like, she's the only one I speak. She's like, Howard, I think you should go. Like, she's the only one speaking. Jimmy is just like, doesn't know what to fucking say. Oh my god! He's losing shot, his mind, like, bro. He's like, he's like, how? He's like, I know for a fact that you were dead. I wonder if this like the relationship. The most trustworthy person I know told me this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like, Mike told me you're dead. Exactly, because now Jimmy's probably wondering, like, yo, is Mike okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because like Mike would have warned me, and it's just yeah. so, so so many things. I mean. We, like I said, we, like I said earlier, we can't know what Lalo's plan is because, well, they can't, they haven't told us. We don't know if he's angry with, with Jimmy or if he just wants to use Jimmy to get to Gus. Maybe he doesn't know that Jimmy knows. Yeah, that but he's meant I mean, to be dead it's quite interesting because his initial plan was to expose mm-hmm. the lab. Yeah. But like after the, after I realized like the phone has been, you know, was bugged and now they know that he's alive mm-hmm. this you know confirmation now it's like you know he has to come up with a plan b and mm-hmm. that plan b now involves jimmy and kim like Seems so what like. are their responsibilities and roles in this his new plan i give this i give them so much credit i don't want to try and think about a plan or th- try just to like i trust you holes. just yeah drive me where i need to be driven genuinely yes um but speaking of picking holes in the plan I'm going to do a bit of nitpicking. Go on. And I want to know what you guys think. So, with this first half of season six, or this first seven episodes, was it a little too late with making Howard a real character? Because, granted, his death is shocking, right? But beyond that, when you, when that wears off, when you think about it for a few days or whatever, is it emotional? Or does it not matter? Is he just a stop to the end point? And it doesn't matter whether you find it emotional or not. It's how the characters feel about it. Uh, it's a good question. I think... Thank you. <laughs> you're first in a while. <laughs> I think it's supposed Whoa. to be... <laughs> I think it's doing two things, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's obviously showing that Howard is a lot more... You know, because I think before the season, we all think it's like this sleaze by mm-hmm. great lawyer mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I think more than that, it's showing that Kim is this literally mirror image of of, of Jimmy. And she has a piece missing, apparently. Pardon me? She has a piece missing, like what what Howard says. Exactly. Right? Which is just which is just a terrible thing to say to somebody for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah. And it's like this was the right time to show you know who Kim is really is, right? Mm-hmm. So and it had to sort of coincide with you know, showing the most sympathetic side of Howard. So I did understand why they did it. So what you're, what you're saying is that you think it's more in line with it being, and I want to get your opinion on this as well, but it's more in line with it being a step towards Jimmy and Kim's transition and journey than it is how the character, how the audience feels about, about Howard. Like, they don't... But what do you think? Because what do you think about did they take too long to introduce Howard as a real character and show us his his flaws and his bad marriage and his death and his depression, or does it work the way they did it? Yeah, I think it does, actually. I think on some level they had already started because Howard has been changing as a person, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Over time now, at least since slightly before the start of season five, we've been seeing him go through some ideological changes. He's become a little bit more conscientious. He's become a little bit more self-aware. Basically, ever since Chuck died, he started to mm-hmm. look more at himself because he blames himself for what happened. And let's not forget, Jimmy let him blame himself for what happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I talked to him and now he killed himself. And you know, G- Jimmy's like, well, Howard, you're going to have to live with that. Not mentioning at all that he Jesus was... Christ. Yeah, Jimmy is very guy, Jimmy man. in that moment. Oh, so Jimmy, Howard man, has Jimmy. been... <laughs> that is the point where Howard starts to change because we start to realize, you know, before that, of course, that Howard wasn't the reason Jimmy wasn't getting into HHM. It was Chuck. Mm-hmm. Howard is mm-hmm. complicit, sure, but it's very difficult for him to go against Chuck in that way because the firm was started by, well, the other H and... I guess Chuck yeah, and yeah, Howard probably yeah. came into it later on. So he's, he, and he calls him in this episode, the greatest legal mind he's ever known. 
the M in mm-hmm. HHM. You know, he he reveres Chuck in in a lot of ways. So ever since that point, he's kind of started taking a deeper look at himself. He's still everything that they think he is. He's still condescending. He's still a little bit uppity. He's still kind of selfish. He has a lot of issues, but we start to see the other side of it. Yeah, he's everything they think he is, but he's not only what they think he is. Exactly. So it's it's funny because introducing things like his failing marriage, the fact that he's going to, you know, some counseling for that, um, seeing how he interacts with his peers like Cliff Main and such, who he also reveres, you know, watching all of that, I don't think it's necessarily late. I think, I think it works because those are things we assumed he was doing. I mean, other than the marriage one, of course, those are things we kind of just assumed. But now they're showing it to us with nuance because it's become mm-hmm. relevant. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. that it's relevant, we get to see how it's feeding the story. Like them showing it to us before would have just been like, oh, here's Howard. Here's who he really is. Maybe stop feeling bad for him now. But now they're showing it to us because it serves the story of what Jimmy and Kim are doing. Mm-hmm. So we're getting to know about Howard at a time when it's fully vital for us to understand him. And watching the episode, it occurs to me that, you know, it continues right where the previous one left off, right? So these two episodes are of the same morning. Like this, these two episodes, yeah. other than the, the last scene, like everything that goes on, like up until at least the that same day, HHM, essentially, yeah. It's the same day. It's like the same morning. It's basically like maybe a span of four hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy, that gives you, that gives you an idea of how fast Jimmy and Kim were going with those college kids. I like how they even showed us how ridiculous that one. Um, film school TA is because he's just always kind of annoying, but it's also very funny because anybody who's into film or filmmaking is like, I don't like this guy, but also I'm kind of like this guy. <laughs> One of the best <laughs> deliveries is when he goes um, that this, this camera is good for shooting your cousin's wedding or porn without dialogue. And I was like, <laughs> was like if you want to shoot porn with dialogue, you use the good camera, but without dialogue, you can use this handheld shit. This camera is for art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a, I'm a basic bitch. I love, I love a good one. I love a good one, one, one take. And I was like, I think like two minutes in, I was like, oh shit, this is a, this is a one take shot. I had to go back and start from the beginning again. I was like, oh, was okay. Nice, yeah. And um, the music is, is very heisty. And I was like, which is why I said like, the fun is there. But then yeah. the, the, the bad part of the episode is so Punching and so gut wrenching that you forget about all the fun times the episode had. Um, yeah, I mean, sort of start of the episode as well. You spoke about like the one at, mm-hmm. um, there was a bit when they were prepping the fake mediator, right? When they're doing that shot mm-hmm. and they sort of, I think they went round and it was while they were like doing his makeup. Yeah, and they kept on wrapping. cutting. Yeah, so they kept on cutting while going around. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's the end of the one, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was. And there's a funny bit where like Kim was like running back and forth, and she left her shoes. She was in the shot. Run again. <laughs> she was in the shot. Yeah, yeah that, was that was funny. It's, and I just like the fact that they didn't, really they didn't even good. show us like they didn't show us the full plan because you only get to see the pictures with the other guy in the mediation. Like you don't, you don't, you don't get to see it. Um, I think because that guy, I can't remember his name now. The guy that plays the fake judge is like one of Odekirk's Lenny. Like, I think his name is Lenny. Is his name Lenny? I can't remember his I'm name in real sure. life, but like he, he's one of like Bobby Kirk's like old guys from like his like comedy show. Like oh, right. Mr. Show, Mr. Really? Show. David and Bob. And I think he's the father of the girl that plays Erin. Is that her name? Oh. That plays like basically the paralegal that does That's like does cool. the speaker thing. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That's very cool. Um, yeah. There are a lot of like, you know, and you know Break, Breaking Bad Battle Swords, really serious show, right? Mm. But they're just a lot of like these comedy, comedic moments yeah. in sort of bits and splits. That's just, I mean, but that's what really makes funny. the like some of those really heavy moments hit. Because even with it being that same morning, it's not it's not just the stuff that happened in this episode. Like Howard has been having a bad day since episode six. <laughs> Because, I mean, you remember the whole thing with, like, the coffee. Oh, and he does his design and everything. So we see them, him trying to work on this marriage. He wants to I connect. I mean, episode four? Like, yeah, somebody like, took his car for a joyride when he was in therapy. And, like, framed in, him for... Like, he's not... He's yo, this guy um, has, I know from the beginning, it's like, like, right from the end of season five, I really thought it was a joke. Because my, my question from the start has been, 
not not necessarily even why Howard, but like why do it this way? Like, do you need to do this? Because a lot of the time, yeah. what, this, Jimmy, Jimmy's schemes are based on necessity. It's like, okay, I need to mm-hmm. do this so I can survive, so I can get some money, so I can move forward, all kinds of things. But Kim comes up with this because like, yeah, she's, really high on, on this pow- yeah, she's really high on yeah. power trips at this point. And she's mm-hmm. like, let's do this. They would have gotten that Sam Piper money anyway. They would have gotten even more. But they're framing Howard just because. And he says that to them. And I like that he acknowledges that because literally they did not need to do this. They were just going to destroy his reputation. Sure, he's done a lot of things for them to be unhappy with, like, w- with him. Like, whether it's the HHM thing or even putting putting Kim in dark review, his laundry list is long. But oh my goodness, like, they were going to destroy the man's reputation. He would have been fine financially. Cool. Like, he he was going to be all right. But then, the last possible thing, like, this is like a he doesn't even know what hit him type of thing because he's not aware who Lalo is. He's not aware of the case that Jimmy had where, like, they had a different name for Lalo. He's, mm-hmm. he's, yeah. this, this is just like, 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 Jim's, like you said, like, worlds colliding, you know, mm-hmm. and they're colliding yeah. in such a way that we, it, it hits harder because we see that Howard isn't even literally right. And, and he's, he's sort of he, like Howard is confused because you can see he's even feeling the whole, oh, get better lawyers type of thing. He's mm-hmm. still kind of trying to ridicule them. He's still in his moment. He's like, well, this is my mea culpa. Like, yeah, you won. You have officially played me. You beat me. I'll recover from this. He even acknowledges that. Yeah. But then he starts to see the gun. And Lalo is just such a great character. I mean, we can get to him later, but oh my God, such a great character. Because this man is this man is just dread and doom and gloom walking. And he has a smile on his face. Like, how do you design someone like that? That's a terrifying thing. There yeah. was no chance of Lalo ever letting... Um, just because he saw him, he's like, yeah. "Oh, you just happened yeah. to be here." It's just like in Ozark, right? Literally, when like gets killed just because he's sitting right there. Yeah, Ozark spoiler, by the way. If you haven't watched, I apologize for you. I mean, it's like it's been like it's been a wow. I'm sorry. Like if if you're watching Ozark, like it's been a while. True, I apologize. That came out in April. I guess I kind of just uh, assumed. Maybe I'll March maybe I'll, yeah. Maybe I'll believe it on, on the podcast audio before. If you're if you're watching it on YouTube, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's the funny thing about like just Lalo as a character mm. just makes him so scary it's like he just does it with a smile on his face like this guy's a fucking psychopath man like we know t- like we know Tuko Tuko is like a maniac right but this guy is more extremely charming extremely intelligent more calculating like you will never see Tuko hiding in you know sewage planning out his next <laughs> anybody with the name salamanca like each one of them is a different kind of problem it's actually so wild how different they are yeah yeah it's they're just like it's it's, it's crazy because when Lalo is even introduced you think oh so they actually have normal people in this family <laughs> but they don't because this no. guy is normal just for sure like he, he's, he's proper he's goon family. simultaneously the best one and the worst one because he's best at being the worst and it's wild yeah yeah. So going back quickly, quickly going back to the original point I, I asked, the original question, I don't think I have an answer. And I think, again, it's just a nitpick. But I was thinking about two deaths when Howard's death happened, obviously, most recently, the natural death. And the natural death obviously hits harder because we've been seeing Nacho's character. <laughs> you pour one out for Nacho <laughs> for, for the last few years. Like we've been seeing his relationship with his dad or his relationship with his two girlfriends. Right. We kind of, we we know what we went home with Nacho. We never went home with Howard until this season. But most importantly, what kept on coming to my mind, and I think it came to my mind because people kept on saying that this was like the biggest death of the Gilligan first. And I'm like, ah. I really, really like the episode, but it can't be because what kept on coming to my mind was biggest death. That's a stretch. Yeah, because yeah, what kept on was Hank. Hank in those years. like that was that was tough. And I'm like, that was huge because family. Yeah, exactly. And exactly that's my point because like we know. Hank, we spent seven years with Hank, or whatever how long we spent with Hank. Like we Walter's saw... ready to give away money to keep Hank alive, which he's never done for anyone. Yeah, so I actually went back to what the first half of the Ozymandias episode. I wanted to just kind of get the thing. And it's interesting because after, obviously, Hank dies in like the first five minutes of the episode. But after Hank dies, we see that scene, obviously, after Walt tries to get the car and everything, we see that scene with Marie and Skylar, right? That's still Hank looming over it right but marie is telling skylar look hank has captured walt and whatever he's gonna 
put the world in jail. But we know that's not true. But like, so it's a lot more emotional to us, right? It's like, we, because we know this family, we know, we know they're minerals, Mary, <laughs> not rocks. Like, so we know them and we can feel for them in a way that we never knew how it beyond a few scenes this, episode, this season. So I don't think like it makes it worse or better or whatever. I'm just trying oh, to. Jesse's girlfriend, that's Jesse Plemons' character, Jane, shot in the head and made him watch. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot oh, my about goodness. that. That hit me. With her son as well. What was that about, man? Just because, for no reason. <laughs> Jesse Plummer's character, by the way, is one of, like, he's just one of the worst. Let's oh, just yeah, get yeah, that yeah. out of the way. What's his name yeah. again? Was it? Todd. Todd. There we go. Plus, Todd. he was white power. So, you guys, that makes it a lot. Yeah. Was... That makes it a lot worse. Um, Jesse Pinkman, man. <laughs> what what a journey about, he went on. Talk about comedic characters. Marie was so funny. <laughs> Marie. <laughs> Marie has been called Walter White Light. <laughs> Why? That she's basically him in terms of like just her overall arrogance mm. and condescension. Yeah. Feeling like she's better than people, but oh, she yeah, just she doesn't have the ways to back it up. Yeah, and Walt was like that too, but then he became Heisenberg, or at least he, he blossomed into what he already was. And yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is, uh, this is going to be obviously death that will loom large over over Jimmy's transformation to Saul. I read an interview with Thomas Schnauz talking about breaking the story, which is obviously, yeah, because they, they wrote the story in 2019, I think. So this would have been at least three years ago. And they're talking about how, like, this was not always the plan. They obviously had various versions of what the plan could be for Howard. And, like, they didn't always land on Howard dying and everything. But it just seemed like the, the right point and the right intersection of, of the two worlds, essentially. Exactly they would have to reconcile with the fact that Kim knew and she didn't tell Jimmy. And if she had told Jimmy, Howard most likely would not be dead. Like, is that, that is I not... forward to that conversation. That's not reaching. That is like, that's facts. That's, that's straight yeah. up there. It's like on the paper. Draw a straight line. Yeah. So it's like, if she tells Jimmy, they probably don't go ahead with the plan or they don't, they're not even living in that apartment or even they lock the door. Like, they, they're a lot more careful when they lock the door. Just, that's basic things. So... It's, yeah, that's like, that could be something that I don't think like it's something like Jimmy would be like, you did that, so I'm breaking up with you. But it's definitely something that could, it's worth a discussion, essentially, that's all I would say. Can I ask you guys a question? Of course, of course. What do you think is the most uncomfortable scene, movie scene you've watched, movie slash TV scene you've watched? Because that Howard sort of mediation scene was really, <laughs> was uh, sometimes like, oh. Like, I had to keep I pausing the whole time. Like I felt so much dread. Like it was so so bad. It was a lot. So, like, what? I don't know, man. I don't know the last scene that made me feel like I had to like. So I don't that have amount of dread. Yeah, I don't have a cringe one or a dread one. What I do have is like I was literally feeling uncomfortable. I think I've said this story on the podcast before, but I just remembered it because you mentioned train spotting. So the first, because my friends also, when I was in uni, they liked Trainspotting, and this was when Trainspotting 2 was coming out. So they wanted to rewatch the first Trainspotting. And then I watched it in the, like in the TV in the house or whatever. And this was, I had gone, we had gone out the night before. So I was like hungover. Such God. And it was a bad, it was a bad hangover. And I don't know if you have, I don't know if you watch Trainspotting, but it, has Ewan McGregor being a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where he's um, sobering up and he's going cold turkey. And he's like in this room tied to a bed or whatever. And I don't know if it was Ewan McGregor's acting or Danny Boyle's directing, but I felt so uncomfortable that I had to start. I went to bed. Like I had to, it was like <laughs> 6 p.m. I went to sleep. Because if I had watched one more second, I'd have thrown up. Like, I was, like wow. just being hungover and watching him go through going cold turkey on screen made me right, almost throw up. Hungry. So I was like, I was like, that's it. I was like, I have to, I haven't finished transporting until today. I was like, that's it for me. Wow. I'm going to bed. So yeah, that's like right. the most un- physically uncomfortable I felt. I, in terms of cringe, I don't know. There, there's so many I can't even think of I them right thought, now. I think I've mentioned in podcasts as well. Mine is, you haven't watched Swingers yet, have you? No, I haven't watched Swingers, no. That is, there's a calling, I think it's a voicemail scene. That is tough. That is a tough one. I mean, look, let's just even, let's go in close to home. When Roman sends the dick pic to his dad, <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> but that was more, that was more funny though. That was more It was like, cringe. It wasn't exactly, funny. Like, I, it was cringe now. for me. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're laughing now. But I, in that moment, I paused it and I was like, 
Roman, what are you doing? I put this in shout, man. I was laughing like crazy. My sister thought I was going mad. So I can't think of any like cringe or dread. I'm sure there are some. I just can't remember them right now. I mean, it's a very thorough plan. It's a well done plan. Like it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Apparently, when you when you look at their board with the sticky notes, mm-hmm. you can see the PI. <laughs> it's on yeah. that board, which is crazy. I want to go back and look at the whole thing again now. I think I don't know if that board itself. But I think some parts of that board are in like the, you know, the beginning of the season when they're raiding. Because what it, what it is that they, they apparently shot that scene last, so they just threw in like different things from the season in there. So like there's some little Easter eggs that you might see. Like I think the the stuffed toy that he wanted to give to the receptionist at the court is in, is in that scene. Just random little things are in that scene. Just to yeah, yeah that he kept. So makes sense. Yeah, man. <sighs> I did not know law firms had private investigators. I guess you have to. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that you would, like you'd have one on call because you need to. You need someone to do dirty work. You need someone to do the. I did not the, know that. Can lawyers, man. Because if you're, let's say you're doing a divorce agreement, you need someone to kind of like follow the, follow the, your partner <laughs> to see if they're cheating. Like just just basic stuff. Like not within <laughs> within the laws, obviously. You kind of need... Just invade all their privacy. You need someone stuff. to do sure. some stuff. Um, but it's just, it, the fact that they knew that Howard was going to, like, the fact that they knew that, they made the plan so obvious that Howard would know it was them. Because if you remember, think about episode one. It shows how they like, know him. Are we... Yeah, they were like, are we being too subtle? And he was like, no, 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 is the right? Like, they couldn't be too subtle that Howard would not know that it was them, mm-hmm. them, so that Howard could then send the PI on his ass. So it's just, yeah. When he realized it was too late. Yeah. Like, there was mm-hmm. no, nothing he could have done. Like, there is no point where he was, at the point where he started to even realize what was going on, there was nothing, like, everything was already irreversible. It's just like with Chuck and the whole, like, Mesa Verde document thing. Mm-hmm. When he realizes what's going on, there is nothing oh that can be changed. Jimmy is so good at making, I mean, I guess, I guess now it's just Jimmy and Kim, but they are so good at making smart people sound incredibly stupid. Others, yeah. Because he uses their, their smartness against them. He, yeah, he knows that Chuck they're going to the, the court. Yeah. You know when Chuck shouting Shikrain in the couple, like, what are you talking about? No way, Jimmy. And it's like, he, his plans are so outlandish that, like, normal people do not believe. <laughs> but there's extra That's an incredible way to live you, life. The victim knows <laughs> that it's Jimmy. Like, you know what is yeah, going on. And, no, and you know that nobody is ever going to believe you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just yeah, such a it's thorough just like, You sound victory. like a freaking... You sound crazy in front of everyone else. But like, And then, obviously, he makes it seem like that person... People already think that person is crazy. So with Chuck, it was obviously his his medical condition, and then with with Howard, is that he planted that he might have drug issues and his eyes. And <laughs> fair enough, man. Howard Hamlin, we pour one out to you. You were well dressed, well haired, a little bit condescending, but you didn't deserve to go out like this. Yeah, shout out to Patrick Fabian, man. Very well yeah. portrayed. Ooh, that candle. That let, candle. Let me ask you guys this actually. Do you so, think if he ahead, left man. if he left right when Kim said, Howard, you need to go, do you think he'd be alive? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if Lalo would have let him no go. Chance. Would Lalo okay, you, James, no do you think chance. Lalo would have turned around and just shot him immediately? No chance. Lalo doesn't Well yeah, maybe Lalo is Lalo is too what's the word? No loose ends, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's like, to it's allow like that what's out. the guy from No Country for Old Men? Was it Anton Shigar? Just yeah. Take, so unless unless Howard was leaving like as Lalo was coming in. Yeah, exactly. So because the moment I think the moment that they see that like that he's talking that, to Jimmy. Yes, or that Howard sees the reaction mm-hmm. on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Lalo can let Howard live. Because like you said, the um like just something as simple as locking the door. I think I said this earlier in the season, but I can reiterate it now because now it's even more true. But like, I am, I have not been more sure that Kim doesn't die than I am at this point. Ooh. Like, they, they don't kill Nacho, Nacho Howard and Kim. They don't do that. I think Kim is going to get a, a fate worse than death. Oh. A fate so worse than death that she's never in contact with Jimmy. Maybe she gets the vacuum cleaning service. Maybe she does. I just, I don't think. 
Or maybe maybe it's not even worse than that. Maybe maybe that's exaggeration. But but I just don't think they kill all three of them. It seems too easy for better call Saul as a show. That's what I'm trying to say. Fair enough. Um, I still find it like I still always just kind of like I don't know if it's I don't know. I just kind of not cringe because cringe is too harsh a word. But I'm always ha. Ah, what's the right word? I'm always aware whenever Jim and Kim are doing anything sexy. Because I don't okay. see them as a sexy couple. I just haven't. I've never seen them as a romantic couple. Like so, whenever they even kiss, like when they were when they were making out when the thing was going on by the phone. Like it's, I'm aware of it. It's not like second nature to. Me. I just, I'm always like, I don't see you guys that like was, that. That was sick behavior, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always like, I don't. I just don't see you guys like that. I feel like you guys are a lot more cerebral in your. I feel like your dirty talk is like talking about ways to kill Howard, not like not like actual dirty. I just don't see them as a as a romantic couple. But anyway, you don't feel they have chemistry. No, I do think they have chemistry. I, I don't, but that's that's the thing. That's the problem. I I believe they have incredible chemistry. I just don't know if it's romantic. Hmm. Interesting. Like they they are mm. great in their scenes together, hundred percent. Like I, like they like everything like even but even things like when they are on the couch watching movies i i enjoy i think just whenever it goes something sexual like kissing or mm-hmm. actually having sex i'm just like it just doesn't seem but i don't know i don't know if it's them i think it's the show yeah I because think... i don't think gilligan versus ever really cared about sex no right there's only some to, awkward ones with the plot yeah there's some awkward ones at the beginning of breaking bad like with yeah. skylar and walt there's obviously the famous ted <laughs> <laughs> it's a famous handjob scene with like uh, Maria and, and Hank but like it's never really been a show about sex or sexual activity so it's always to me it always just feels awkward but not like not in a way that is glaring just like oh this this is here um don't have any final thoughts about this I mean we should say that like obviously the second half comes up I think in six weeks so it's not not enough time for me to go and rewatch this show so why so. why why are they doing this like two parts. Why more? Yeah, I was actually even just about to mention that because um, two parts. He, What's the? Is there like economics behind that? They wrote it as con- as a continuous like series of episodes. It's just right. due to some delays or whatever, whatever that they had oh, that they had right. to break okay, it in the middle. So this is actually yeah, not even supposed to be a like a mid season finale. So but I guess the fact that yeah. it feels like one is a testament to their really good writing. Well, there will be the obvious things that we don't know about, like maybe COVID delays and things like that, right? Yeah. But there's also like shilling for it, Emmy. It might be in their contract that that is meant to mm. air between this point and this point. Could be. Um, there's the obvious one, like Emmys. So, for example, this first half is going to be for Emmys contention, this year's Emmys. But the one that comes out in four will be for the next year. So, it gives them... I mean, Breaking Dad is... Breaking, sorry, Breaking Dad. Peter Console is zero for 39, I think, nominations at the Emmys. Is it? They've never won one out of 39 nominations. Which is so crazy. So... Because I'm competing against man, Succession. I, I mean, Succession is there, but like, what Succession, else? Succession, Ozark. Ozark? Um, I, I think... They can't be. Hosak has, has a couple supporting actresses for Julia Garner. Has a directing for Bateman. Um, I don't. It doesn't have any writing. I, I don't really see them that. winning any writing stuff over Ozark, especially. I don't know. I. I mean, I don't. I mean, ra- rather, I don't see Ozark winning over them. I really feel like. Yeah, no, no. I think writing, writing definitely have been Succession. Yeah. M- maybe a Thrones. Like an earlier, earlier throne. I think last season of Thrones only one best drama. I don't but, forget Mad Men. Yeah, so Mad Men was part of that whole. Was Mad Men in, in Better Call Saul period? Did, when did Mad Men end? Twenty fifteen? Not twenty fourteen. I think no, Mad Men finished I mean, before. At least in terms of Breaking Bad, like. Oh yeah, point, yeah, Breaking. Yeah, I think Mad Men finished the year after Breaking Bad because they did the similar thing, but they did it in terms of a year. Yeah, like they, they did their the last season thing, yeah. was divided into two parts into, that ended in two years. The only difference between this Ozark. And then, like the Mad Men, Breaking Bad, I think it was Sopranos, is that while all those shows divided their final season into two, they were usually split by like a year. Yes. So they were, so they would be the same final season, but they would come out like seven months apart. This one on Ozark is like barely two months, right? So I think it has to do with contracts. Maybe, maybe for example, the contract cannot like last to twenty twenty three, so they have to bring it out now this year. Right. But, so, right. But also, like it gives them Emmy Emmy consideration for next year. I think. I mean, hopefully. It means Odeka gets too much chance to win an Emmy and Ray gets too much chances to win an Emmy. Like, it needs to happen. Um, but yeah, does anyone have any final thoughts on the mid-season finale of Saw? Thank God for Better Call Saul, man, because... Is that an Alfred Hitchcock quote? I hope so. Thank God for Better Call Saul. 
When are we doing the Alfred Hitchcock um, Hitchcock pod, by the way? You, you have your mic. You can do it. Okay. <laughs> He's right. I'll I'll just come in and tell you what Hitchcock said about suspense and what Lance. does he say? What's the quote? It's the one about the bomb under the table, right? So yeah, it's sort of like something is when the bomb. It's goes suspense off. and something. Think suspense What's is when you can see the bomb or something. What does he compare the suspense and? Um, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Tension? Yeah, no, it's not tension. Then, tension then we because one is when the audience can see the bomb, but no, nobody on the table knows the bomb is there. And one is when somebody on the table knows the bomb is there before the bomb goes off. Something like that, I think. No, I know what it is now. It's suspense versus surprise. So suspense is when the audience knows there is a bomb under the table and they're waiting for the bomb to go off. But then surprise is when no one knows the bomb under the table and the bomb just goes off. Fucking defund Google, man. I couldn't find it. Damn cool. So we should always aim for suspense over surprise. See, I've been studying. This is my field. I'm trying to study. Just need to go back to Hitchcock. Um, guys, that is so. That is the end of the first half of the season. That is the end of Howard Hamlin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he shall be missed. Maybe not by his wife, but he shall be missed by someone. Guys. Thank you very much for talking about Soul with me. Hopefully, I, I think we'll all be back in six weeks to cover the final six episodes. Can't wait. Um, Cannot wait. I mean, one other thing we like is we should mention like the the looks on their faces when he mentions that he's been going through a bad period in his marriage. You could it shows that, that like, they still have some Kim. humanity. At least Kim does. Yeah, and they and they also didn't know anything about it. Um, yeah. I don't know how much it will change their plans, but yeah. Okay, guys, <laughs> there's a bunch of. There's a dead body in our living room and a bunch of blood we need to clean up. So, I need to convince Lalo to please spare our lives. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. Um, like I said earlier, if you watch Atlanta, everybody was on an episode earlier. We spoke about Atlanta. And we'll be back. Maybe not next week, or we're taking a break next week. We'll be back later, talk about more shows and movies that are coming out. Um, over here, Alex Garland is coming out soon. Are you going to watch Are you going to watch Alex Garland? Men. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so guys, thank you very much for listening. It would be thank you for coming back on. Thank you for having um, me. Thanks for coming, man. Join us next week when we'll be joined by... Oh, by the way, I've only clocked in like my research that obviously plan and execution. How would was the execution? That's good. I didn't even... I didn't clock... Yeah, I didn't clock that. Anyway, this guy's, like I said, this guy's smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for coming on everybody. Join us next week when we'll be joined by the incredible, the Oscar winning, the BAFTA winning, the all or nothing documentary narrating Jane Fonda. Daniel Kalia. Bye guys.